certainly good to see those of you that's come back to be with us this afternoon in the services. We're thankful you're in the house of the Lord, and especially thankful you're here at Landmark Baptist Church. Um, continue to remember Sister Tara in prayer. Pray for her and pray that she'll uh, get better and that she'll get a better report when she goes to the doctor. I think she said she had to go Monday. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, that she'll get a better report uh, when she goes tomorrow. Um, pray for any others that may be sick at this time. Uh, pray for uh, Auburn, I believe it was, got his hand in the door. Yeah. Uh, Auburn got his hand in the car door and messed up some fingers and uh, said they're skinned up. Did you say tore a nail off? Oh, not off? Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, remember him in prayer and any others. All right, turn in your Bibles again to Luke, the 12th chapter, if you would. Let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. Um, I'm going to um, give you the conclusion of this message as I read it here. This will be the conclusion of this message, and in verse begin in verse 22. And here is uh, this is all one context here. And he said unto his disciples, "Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for your body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat." And the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have a store, a storehouse nor barn. And God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And watch of you, I'm sorry, which of you with taking thought can add uh, to his stature one cubit? If ye then be, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the fern, the, the oven, how much more until he, I, I'm, I'm sorry, how much more shall he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Lord, I pray that you'll help me and and being able to see the things I need to read. And, and Lord, I just pray that in all things that you might see fit to bless us. I thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. I thank you, Lord, for bringing me to this point in another Lord's Day. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to be with me as I go through the rest of it. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless us in all things. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, we, uh, <clears throat> we've been talking about uh, 2020 
we call we call it 2020 road to a great failure and you know um i know a lot of people would say well you should preach a a uh, motivational message or a uh, good positive message on the first lord's day of the year and and then set up what you know, set up what we plan on doing for this year. Uh, well, you know, we don't plan on doing anything different this year than we did last year. The same way with the year before that. And matter of fact, over 35 years ago, we, we planned on worshiping the Lord and serving the Lord and here at uh, Landmark Baptist Church and doing the things that uh, we would do and that hadn't changed. That hadn't changed, you know. Landmark Baptist Church is still the Lord's church, and it's still one of it's still one of them that has not sold itself out uh, to the world. Though you know, you might say, "Well, we may have some members that have." That doesn't mean Landmark Baptist Church has. Landmark Baptist Church, as a whole, has not sold itself out to the world. And, and have not uh, given up on the things that we do. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, we talked about this morning. I ended it with talking about uh, two different people that uh, realized that they, they needed prayer. You know, we talk about people who need praying for. Well, there, we talked about two, two people who needed prayer more uh after especially one of them after they were uh blessed and and they were given a lot they needed more prayer then because they realized that they had they had to do with they could do it they was able to do it things they couldn't do when they were sick and so that's uh that's how we ought to look at it we ought to look at it that yeah you know we're sick and we need prayer but then when we get well we need prayer worse because just as sure as we do, we're going to go do something that we didn't get to do while we were sick. And, uh, and certainly I've, I've learned over the years it's not come to church. It's just do other things, you know, and, uh, you know, that's one of the most wonderful things there was. If you've been out of church for a while, you ought to look forward to being back in the Lord's house and being able to come back to the Lord's house. But sometimes it's not like it. Some people feel like they need a vacation. Or something after they get well. But at any rate, um, this is something that we should do. Now, we want to look as we get into this afternoon's part of the message. Uh, we want to look what this rich man did. And many people do. Then when they have an abundance of money. He was always thinking of what he knew. Of what he knew he could afford. And, and, and what he, uh, would do next. I always thinking about that. You know, it's, it's that thinking about what we're going to do next. You know, we, we got the money now. We've been praying about the money and we've been, we got the money now. What are we going to do next? Well, that's what he did. You know, he, I'm not saying that he prayed about getting more money, but, uh, the one guy asked the Lord to lead him to that he could share his brother's inheritance. But this man was always concerned about what to do next. Well, what, what do we do next? 
you know, and, and sometimes it's just jump from one thing to another. I don't know how many of you realize it, and I know most of you do, you should anyway, that Jesus likened the times during his day as like it was in the days of Noah. He said in the days of Noah, they, they went to and fro, they eat and they drank and they was merry. And he said the, the days in Jesus' day, he said it was like, what do you think he would say today is like? I mean, what, 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 if, if back in Jesus' day, it was like unto the days of Noah when the flood came, then what would it be today? You know, what, what, what would Jesus say about today? That's, I guess he didn't want to say anything about today. That's what he left me for, is to say something about today. And, and the day in which we live, and that's that's the reason that we, that's the reason we're here this morning and doing this thing. He probably, and in all of it, he probably had laid down to to rest after surveying his wealth with the visions of greater things in his life. You know, he 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 planned on taking a rest. And, and things of his life, he and, and he thought, sir. He thought. I'm sorry. He probably laid down visions of greater things in his life. He thought, "What shall I do now? What shall I do now?" Well, he actually says that. What sh- What shall I do now? He come to the thoughts that he could pull down his old barns and build much bigger ones, so he could keep increasing his wealth when he does what he does now what he does at that moment now will fix his eternal doom that that, right that moment right there how do we know what moment god is brings us to to where if we make the wrong decision next that's going to seal our doom really i'm serious you know, you, we, we don't think about that. Now, you say, well, I'm saved. You don't have to worry about that because if, if you're living like you should live then you, and you're saved, and you, you know you never have to worry about that because God's going to take you to be with him. That's your future wealth is God's going to take you to one of the greatest. My, my dad always said, my dad never did have anything, never owned nothing in his life, didn't even own a vehicle. First vehicle I remembered he owned, I bought it for him, helped him pay for it, and uh, and he never did have anything. But my dad always said when the Lord saved him at 57 years old, the Lord saved him, he said, I have more now than I ever dreamed that I would ever have. He still didn't have any money. He still didn't have a, he still didn't own a place to live. My sister and I went together and bought it, bought them a house to live in when they, when they finally, when he finally wasn't able to get out there on a farm and work and go for somebody. So they, they just told him they didn't need him anymore because he wasn't able to do it. And so we bought him a house and we gave it to him to live in. And, uh, and so, uh, but yet he said, when the Lord saved my dad, he said, he said, I've got more now than I'll ever need. 
He said, I've got more now. He said, I'm richer than I've ever been in my life. And people would ask him. They'd say, Mr. Jackson, what do you mean by that? He said, he said, I'm saved. He would tell you, he'd tell them right off. He said, the Lord saved me and said, I have more now than I've ever had in my life. He didn't care. He didn't care if he never had another dime. Lord saved him. He felt he was a rich man. He felt he was wealthy. And I, I remember one time hearing him say, I've got more, I've got more than I can't remember that rich man that lived during those days, Rockefeller, I think it was. He said, I've got more than Rockefeller ever thought about having. Now my dad said that. Man couldn't read and write. He said, I've got more than Rockefeller ever thought about having. Rockefeller was one of the richest men in that time, in those days. He said, I've got more. Well, I will tell you folks, this man right here sealed his doom with what he decided he was going to do. He sealed his doom right there. How, how do we know that sometimes when we decide to do something that we don't consult the Lord with and to find out, would find out that that would seal our doom? That's what happened to this man. It sealed his doom, his eternal doom. And here's what he said. And he said, this will I do. This will I do. I will start praying to God and I'll start asking God to lead me. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said, well, he said, I will uh, start giving. I'll give half of what I've got to the Lord. No, he didn't say that either. Here's what he said. He said, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I store my fruits and my grounds, my, my, my goods, First, verse 18. That's what he said. Oh, how easily could he have said, well, I'll just give half what I got to the Lord. Well, I'll pray that the Lord will see fit to bless me with what I've got now. And I won't be concerned about it. No. He said, this is what I will do. And he sealed his doom right there. And I'm going to show you why. He now feels that he can go eat, drink, and be merry. He can go now. He can eat. That's what he says. That's what he says. And down, down in verse, uh, uh, down in verse 19. That's what he says. He, 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 he now feels that he can go eat, drink, and be merry. He is now weighed in the balances and he's found wanting. That's it right there. It's what, it's the decision we make that, that is, is what, is what God determines is our, our turning point in our life. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if you're saved today and you say, I'm going to start serving the Lord more and more, then you, that's a turning point in your life. Right there. But if you say that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and all this, that's a turning point in your life. Just like I said, you know, at the beginning of this message, I made a statement. I said that what happens in the past determines what the future is going to be like. This man, this man never did honor God, never did know who God was, 
never did to have anything to do with God. As a matter of fact, in one place, he says, another account of this, he says, I've kept all the law of God all my life. I've kept all the law of God all my life. Lord, He said, Lord, what what I need to do now? Lord said to, to, to keep his commandments. He said, I've done that. This, this, this man said, I've done that. But, uh, he didn't. He didn't do that. He thought, he thought that because he told the Lord that he'd done that, but he didn't do it, that everything's going to be okay. Turning point in his life was right here. Right this, this very instant, the turning point in his life. He's now weighed in the balances and he's found wanting. In his plans, as in many who plan, I'm sorry, let me get back here. There is no recognition of God and his goodness. He made the worst mistake in all of his life, for he did not give the giver of all good things a place in his reckoning. He did not give the giver of all good things a place in his reckoning. He did not say, what, what, did, what did James say? James says, if God is willing, I'll do this or that. I'll do this if God wills. You know, James said, that's what we say. But how many people who are doing things that God doesn't will in their life, how many says, but I'm going to do what God wills for me to do? You, won't, you don't dare say that. People don't dare say that because they know they have to quit some of the things they're doing when you say that. When you say, I will do it if God wills, then you're doing it because God is leading, guiding, directing you, and, and you're following his will for your life. And, and you know where God, I mean, you know where God leads you. Sam Henry sitting over there knows where God leads you when you're, when you're following his will. He knows where God leads you. Kara knows where God leads you. When he followed, when you follow his will, Neil knows, Becky knows, Rhonda knows, everybody in here knows what you'll do and where you'll do if you follow God's will. That's what James says. James, James even goes as far to say, he says, life is like a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. So when you get a certain point in your life, is a turning point in your life. I believe that. I believe it's a turning point in your life as to what you will do. I know I had a terrible time at the turning point in my life because there was a time when I thought maybe I wouldn't preach anymore. And that, that's why I've been, that's why I've pastored you folks. That was, I, I've called that the turning point in my life. When I, when I was beginning to plot out what I was going to do and everything, if I didn't preach anymore, but then the Lord wouldn't let me do that. Then I said, Lord, I've got to, I'm going to do whatever you will me to do. And let's look here. All these years later, this is what the Lord will me to do. It's a turning point in your life. You know what you'll do. You know what you'll do. You know, you know when, Saturday night comes, every one of you know what you gotta do the next day. In your, in your, in your life, what your life tells you you have to do the next day, that's be in the Lord's house. But if God wills, I'm gonna go to the beach. <laughs> you won't say that. 
That's the way this man was. He wasn't about to say, I'm going to do this if God wills. Because he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know him as a turning point in his life. It was uh, when we think about as the Lord saved the great apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus that time. Saul of Tarsus asked God, what would thou have me do? Go back, go to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and read it. First, first thing that Saul of Tarsus said when God struck him down on the road to Damascus, first thing Paul of Tar- Saul of Tarsus said, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? How many times have you said that in your life? Lord, what will you have me to do? No, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to do what I want to do because I've been told around the dinner table I don't have to do these things. I don't want to. And I know that to be a fact. Absolutely. First thing, Saul of Tarsus, old Saul of Tarsus, one of the wickedest men that ever walked on the face of the earth. When Paul says over there, I was the worst of the worst, he knew exactly what he was talking about, because he was. But when, when the worst of the worst was struck down on the road to Damascus, the first thing he said was, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Chapter 9 of a book of Acts. What will thou have me to do? When was the last time we said, when we're getting ready to plan something, we said, what would thou have me to do, Lord? What would thou have me to do? Lord, I, I, you know what I want to do, but what would thou have me do? That's the same way it was with me when I thought about maybe just giving up the ministry. I did. I've told you folks many times. Uh, you ask any preacher how many times if they get ready to give it up, they'll tell you many times. But what will thou have me to do, Lord? You stay right there. You stay right there. And every time that I think about that I may resign this church, Lord says, you stay right there. Who else, who else did the Lord tell that to? Study your Bible. Paul, he told Paul, Paul was getting ready to, to, to leave Corinth. And what did the Lord tell him? He said, I've got many souls. Why don't you stay here? I've got many souls. That's how the Lord leads you. That's how the Lord does. This man had no inclination in finding out what the Lord would have him do. No inclination. After he did what he thought was the best thing in his life to do, He said, I can take my ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Man, I can have a fun right now. I've got it all figured out. I'll have more barns. i got the money to build new barns. I'll I'll have more goods. I'll have more money. I'll have more everything. Now it's time for me to sit back, ease, drink, and be merry. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. Or as he said today, I will have a blast. I'll have a blast, buddy. I will. I'll have a blast. 
the rest of, he said, the rest of my life I will have a blast. He might as well said when he looked at his wealth, oh soul, this is my God. Or this is the best friend I've ever had. Best friend I've ever had. Pull a hundred dollar bill out of your pocket and say, this is the best friend I ever had. You say, have you ever heard people do that? I heard my, I saw my uncle do that one time. He just got paid. He pulled a hundred dollar bill out of his pocket and he said, he said, let me tell you, he said, this is the best friend I got right here. I heard Rhonda's uncle say that one time. When he had some money. Best friend I've got. Right here. He had an appointment with God he knew nothing about. Oh, boy. He had an appointment with God he knew nothing about. We don't realize, we don't consider that maybe we're going to have an appointment with God someday. You, you're going to have an appointment with God someday. You're going to have an appointment with God someday. People will say, they'll say, I don't know why these things are happening to me. I don't know why this thing, why this thing happened to me. Why me, Lord? Why me? Why is it, why is it? That these things are happening to me. Well, it's because you've got an appointment with God. And you're gonna, you're gonna make that appointment. That appointment's gonna be there. You, you might as well say you've got an appointment with God. But God said unto him, Fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Verse 20. God looked at him when he made his decision. What he's going to do? God looked at him and said, "Fool! Tonight your soul is going to be required of thee." This strange handwriting on the wall of his self-centered soul was a fearful interruption of a godless plan. Fearful interruption of a godless plan. Who is it that will require of his soul? Who is it that will require of his soul? Who do you think it is? It's the devil. The devil's going to get him. That's what he's talking about. He, the devil's going to require that I give you his soul. And I'm going to give it to him. Because you, I've got, matter of fact, I've got a statement down here to that, to that. Who is it that will require of his soul? It is the devil, which he served all of his life. God comes calling, and so does the devil. God comes calling, so does the devil. He comes calling too. The devil has who he wants, and God is willing for him to have him, for he does not belong to God. God, he don't belong to me. You take him, devil. He had an appointment. That's what he told him. He said, fool, you've got an appointment to make, and you don't know it. You ain't got enough sense to know it. That you've got an appointment to make. The psalmist describes this man to a T. He says, Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Oh yeah, Psalm 52, 7. Go read it. Psalm 52, 7. Go read it. It's there. The psalmist, the psalmist describes this man to a T and a lot of men today to a T. 
The psalmist describes them to a T. You think these people wasn't led of the Lord when they, when they, when they uh, came up with the Word of God? You think you think that the Lord did not guide and lead them when they wrote the Word of God? The psalmist wrote this uh, many, many years before this man was ever born. The psalmist wrote this: "Lo, this is the man." that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Psalm 52 and verse 7. The conclusion of this matter is this. So is he that that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Verse 21. Not rich toward God. God is not the leader of his life. He's the leader of his own life. He, he, he led his own life. He did what he wanted to do. He didn't let nothing stop him from doing what he wanted to do. You know, we not only, we not only do that, but, uh, we teach our children to do the same thing. That's sad. That's really sad, folks, I'm telling you. I told you this message was given to me directly by God. These are not my words. These are God's words. You may not know what that means, but I know what that means. All of of us had better take no thought of our life as to what we should eat or put on our body. And that life is more than meat and the body it's more than raiment. Life is more than just what we can get out of it. The, the gusto that we can get out of it. You know, it used to be a beer commercial. Get all the gusto. And I tried that one time, Brother Sam. I tried that. I tried getting all the gusto. All I got was sick and drunk and acted like a fool. Get all the gusto you can get out of life. You only live one time. You only live one time. Get all the gusto you can out of life. Do everything you want to do because you only live one time. No, you can live two times. You, you, your, mama, your mama gave birth to you, but the Lord can also give birth to you for the second eternal life. That you're going to live. What a great blessing it is that we can we can know that we can know that without a shadow of doubt. Yes, we can know that. See, I got one more page. Not too much on it, though. God will take care of all those who love Him and look to Him for everything they do in this life. He'll take care of them. I, I know. I know that to be a fact. I know that. I said here before you today, I know that. That's like the man that when he found out that I was going to quit my job and start preaching full time, he said, those people will starve you to death. I said, they'll only starve me to death if that's what God wants them to do. As you notice, you know how long ago that was? That was 21 years ago. Now, 
Let me tell you, folks, God will take care of you. And I say, may God bless you. It's my prayer today. All right, let's form a circle. And I'm